This week on Against the Grain, we debate, should the Eagles continue starting Carson Wentz? Dun, dun, dun. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to Against the Grain. I'm your host, Andrew Perloff. I'm here, as always, with Marvin Prince and Mario Miranda. We're going to break down the big NFL storylines, including this week something near and dear to my heart, the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to talk to Ruben Frank of NBC Sports Philadelphia, longtime Eagles reporter. He recently dove into the topic, is it time for Carson Wentz to be benched in Philadelphia? And the obvious reason is turnovers, but we'll break that down with Ruben. Before that, I want to tell you guys why I think your team is not that good. Okay. Let me explain. Every day on the Dan Patrick Show, we come in and we talk about the contenders. Is it me or all these supposed contenders super flawed this year? Super flawed. The Steelers. I'm going to start. I'm actually going to break it down. I'm going to go through every division leader and tell you why I think that they could definitely fall apart a little bit before the playoffs. Let's start. AFC East, Buffalo Bills. They should have lost to the Patriots. Is anybody in this room, raise your hand or say on the podcast, do you believe the Buffalo Bills is a legit contender? No, I don't. No, because they'll be there on Saturday at 4.30, yeah. that first playoff game. It's a federal requirement. They'll be probably play the Texans. ESPN. ES, yeah, it'll be like, you'll be like driving around with your family like, oh man, I got to get home for that Texans game. And then you'll get there in the second half. It's going to come down to like the Sean Watson screen. I know they're one in six. By the way, that's a team to watch out for. They have an easy schedule. Okay, AFC North. Everyone likes the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dan's kind of high on the Steelers. He picked the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. Did you watch the Ravens game? They should have lost. They were up down 17-7. Their only offense was a pick six. Every week, Big Ben disappears for a little while, gets inaccurate. They are flirting with disaster. They're still going to be a contender. I love them as a Super Bowl contender, but this 7-0 is a mirage. They're going to win this week. I do not see Pittsburgh as a team that's going to be like 15-1. I don't see it. I see them dropping a couple of games they shouldn't, then being super tough in the playoffs. Thoughts, boys? Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. There's always that team that is off to a super, super hot start, and they kind of taper off at the end. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, especially a team like Pittsburgh where, yeah, you knew they were going to be good, but you didn't think they were going to be this good. I think there, that's there's some, some room for error at the end there. That's some deep X's and O's, Mario. That's what, that's what I'm here for. Um. By the way, our upcoming guest, Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philly, long, old friend of mine, just got stung by a bee a little bit ago. And Is he um, allergic? Yeah, he gave me a ha-ha-ha. He said, I'm dying here. Oh, that's So that's good. a, yeah, that that could be real-time interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that's always the first question you ask. Yeah, I, allergic? Uh, I, I'm allergic to bees, so that's an important topic to me. AFC South, Tennessee Titans and Colts tied at 5-2. and two. Titans, I, all right, this is way too late. I knew they were going to drop a game like the Bengals because they really lost to the Texans for all intents and purposes. They're, I think it's COVID-related. You know, they're a really good team, lost a lot of guys. They don't look right to me. So, uh, And the Colts have had the easiest schedule in the NFL. They have a lot tougher games coming up. I think they come down to earth. They're pretty good, pretty good, but not like, to me, like the Steelers are a Super Bowl contender, the Colts are not. Agree, disagree. I agree. Agree completely. Yeah. How about the Titans? You guys in on them? No. They're going to be, I don't want to play them in the playoffs, but they're, you know, they're definitely going to drop some games. I think they everybody were, figured them out. They were like 9-7 last year. They'll probably be like 9-7, 10-6. and seven, ten and six. 
Chiefs, legit. No reason to talk about that. That's a real contender. Mm-hmm. Okay, AFC Eagles, we're going to talk about them. They're three, four, and one, so there's no reason to talk about them as contenders. Then you get pretty serious. You got the Packers at five and two. Everybody's kind of down on the Packers. They lost to the Vikings. You can run on the Packers. We knew that. Why is everyone saying, and it has been saying, Aaron Rodgers has to trade for a receiver? He's been awesome. Right. I know he wasn't. You know, and by the way, they, they could have come back last week too. Aaron, receiver's not the problem. Running the ball and run defense, which is what they want to do, is not there yet. I still really like them. But this is like, it's not because I didn't get Will Fuller. I, I thought that whole storyline was overblown. Boys? I think, I mean, anybody that you throw out there with Aaron Rodgers, he makes it work. Like, who the hell knew that, you know, Robert Tunyon, who, who he was at the beginning I of the I can't believe you pronounced that name right, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you say it a couple of times. Rhymes with Tunyon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nobody, Alan Lazard, yeah. yeah. Nobody's known these names prior to this year, and he's made them work, and he's, you know, they've been good players. So I don't think it's them on offense. I think it's more so of a defensive thing, which it is every year. I mean, last year they got blown out by, or not blown out, but uh, the 49ers ran all over them in the playoffs, right? No, blown out was the right word. Yeah. Blown, yeah, blown yeah they was, did. They, that game was like, I think Mostert ran all over them. Yeah. And the issue isn't, you know, the receivers. It's the defensive line, the run game, or the run defense, rather. And, like, the way Rodgers, like, Rodgers is second for MVP for me behind Russell Wilson. Yep. I I'm no problem with that. Yeah. And also, I always forget because Patrick Mahomes is going to end up being LeBron James, where he has three MVPs, yep. and he could easily have eight. And yeah, we always yeah. we always forget about him because oh, he's having such a great year, and you're like, okay, well, he's always having a great year. Showed your age there. You would have said Michael Jordan if you were my age, as the guy who should have won MVP every year. <laughs> uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers though is good. And by the way, that whole bit you just went on, that all I said the same thing on Dan Patrick Show today. It's kind of where, where you guys kind of awkward. Kind of where you guys got that. <laughs> okay, here, uh, here, I'm gonna end with the contenders being frauds with these three teams: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints, who play this weekend, and Seattle. Which is a team out of there that is the most legit contender in the NFC, in your opinion? I'll start with you, Mario. The Bucks, Marvin. I'm with them. The Buccaneers. I saw them in person, and they do just an. Just enough to win. Like, you don't really have to dominate. Like, if you can win close games, because I think winning close games is more impressive to me for a Super Bowl champion than just dominating a la the, you know, 18 and 1 Patriots when they got to a close game. Wow. So you're saying the team, I don't know if the numbers bear that out. I think blowing out teams is how you know it's a Super Bowl team. Really, I, I we have to actually do some analytics research on that. That's a great call. You do because I, that's the same thing that I was kind of alluding to earlier. The fact the fact is, if they, I mean, I don't know if this is the fact, but if you do blow out a bunch of teams and you go on this, you know, fourteen and two season, does that always translate to a Super Bowl? I think I think blowouts and Super Bowl wins are corresponding. I'm going to double check that. Ask Peyton Manning. Yeah. Uh, okay. Our our beasting victim just signed a real quick one thing. You could see Tom Brady was going to win that game, and Daniel Jones was going to find a way to lose that game. On uh, what was it, Monday night, Monday. Marvin, when you were there, Daniel Jones. I know there were a few people in the stadium. Could you feel any air go out when he threw that second interception? Because that was crazy. On the sidelines, you could, like, if I could hear the. <sighs> yep. If it was a full stadium, that's exactly what it would have sounded like, because you could just see how dejected the uh, the sideline was for 
the um yeah. for the Giants and the Bucks were like, yep, we're winning. It was there was never any like lack of confidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they always have those close games, right? The, the, the Giants Super, had. or the Super Bowl winner. Let's say, or like yeah. Super Bowl contending team. There's always that close game against a crappy team. We'll see. I do think blowing out teams is always a good sign. All right. Uh, right now, we are very curious to hear uh, Ruben Frank now. Hopefully, he is uh, okay after a severe, severe bee sting. <laughs> All right, Ruben. Uh, I'm, I know you're a warrior playing hurt. I've seen you at work through the years, you know. I go back to I was at an Eagles training camp, and you were at that restaurant where they have the peanut butter balls. And Deja they, brew. Yeah, and they ran out of peanut butter balls, and you still filed your column. But now you're really playing injured. <laughs> Tell us what happened with the B here. How did you get this severe sting? Yeah, I was just um, – I, I was over by a window, and I was just straightening out a, like some a curtain. And it felt like – like I've gotten stung by bees probably like eight times, usually when I'm out running. Um, but – this one hurt like hell. Usually, you know, you, you usually kind of get some ice on it and you forget about it. But yeah, this one was, uh, this is like a, you know, grade three bee sting. <laughs> I never know it's better. Grade one, two or three. I, uh, I got stuck as a kid and I took my hand turned into a catcher's glove. It was the really? worst. Yeah. It's, uh, so I'm, I used to carry an EpiPen. I outgrew it, but, uh, okay. You recently wrote in your column that the Eagles, at least, answered questions or talked about benching Carson Wentz. Every Monday morning, we come into the Dan Patrick Show, and one of the first things Dan says is, huh, do you think the Eagles should bench Carson Wentz? How big a thing is this in Philly? Is it talked about often? To find often. Like, the, every 0.03 seconds? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's a huge question, and, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, aspects to it. They drafted Jalen Hurts. He's thrown two passes in his career. Yeah, he, he wasn't really brought here to be a high volume quarterback. They have Nate Sudfeld as a three. He's never started a game in four or five years. They have Josh McCown out in Texas on the practice squad. He's doing the remote zoom practice squad deal. Um, he'd probably be the most qualified guy to play if Carson didn't play, but there really isn't, you know, they don't have like that Andy Dalton type guy. They don't have that established backup. So, and I think that's probably intentional. Um, so it's easy for them to say, well, you know, this is Carson's team. You know, they, they spent so much time and energy making this Carson's team and he's the leader and, you know, Malcolm Jenkins isn't here anymore. A lot of those older veteran guys aren't here anymore. So it's Carson's team. So I think they're, you know, Doug's going to be really reluctant to do it for, for those reasons. I mean, they, they gave him a hundred million, $110 million contract, number two pick. Um, the guy was in the MVP race a few years ago. Um, so it's all really a kind of a bizarre situation. All that said, he's been so bad that I know it's in Doug's mind. And he even kind of admitted, you know, that they, you know, we spend time, we always spend time getting our backups ready. And then he said, in case of injury or because of that, that meaning, excuse me, that meaning getting, getting the other guy benched. And I asked Doug about in 2008, Donovan, Andy Reid got Donovan, uh, benched Donovan at halftime of a Ravens game. Mm. It was like for, for Kevin Cobb it was like 34, seven. And Kevin Cobb was worse. He was worse than Donovan. <laughs> I think Ed Reid had like a NFL record, 108 yard <laughs> interception return against him. And right after the game, Andy said, Donovan's still our quarterback. I just wanted him to get on the sideline and watch for a while and maybe, you know, take something out of that. And um, they had a short week. I think they played that next Thursday night against Arizona. He threw four touchdowns. So there, there seemed to be a cause and effect. You get a guy 
away from the game for a little bit. It doesn't mean you're giving up on him. It doesn't mean he's not your guy for the future. It just means sometimes a guy's just not getting it done and you need to make a change. And I think, gosh, 12 interceptions and six fumbles in eight games is right about that point. So sometimes you, you just have to do it. There's only a handful of quarterbacks that have um, never, never been benched. And Carson's certainly not in that Brady breeze, uh, you know, type, type elite levels. At least I, he's not right now. So it's um, part of the, so like I grew up in Philadelphia, as you know, and like, I remember they wanted to bench Jaws for Randall Cunningham. Uh, McNabb got more criticism in the city. You know, is this partly the a sort of a pessimistic fan base? or Because that's what – actually, that's what Dan kind of thinks. He's like, Philly always wants to bench their starting quarterback. No, I don't think that's the case. And I think um, – I, I mean, that's that, – yeah, that is the case that they always want to bench. You know, if, if Foles is in there, they want Wentz. If Wentz is in there, they want <laughs> yeah. Foles. That. We went through all that. Um, but – Heck, I, I, I was half thinking they were going to go, you know, tr- make a trade with the Bears for Foles before the trade deadline. On Tuesday. No, I, I was, in, you know seriously, or just I, a speculator. I didn't think that would ever happen, but I, I was just thinking how much fun it would be to write about it. <laughs> I didn't really think they would they would do that, but it would make sense. I mean, the Bears could easily go back to tr- tr- uh, Trubisky, but anyway, um, I think this is different because usually quarterbacks are polarizing. There's half the people want Donovan benched for Coy Detmer, whoever it was. Uh, half, you know, people wanted Jaws or Randall. There were like two camps, but right now, that Carson camp is really small. So, how much did you get to see a Jalen Hurts preseason? Like, do you have a sense of how good he is? He's slower than I thought. You know, they ran him on a two-point conversion uh, the other night against the Cowboys, and. Man, he looked slow trying to get to that pylon. He didn't get in, and he had like he had some room. So his big thing is speed and movement. And we really haven't seen elite. Gosh, I mean, we're used to Michael Vick here and and Randall and Donovan. They're three of the fastest quarterbacks ever. He's not that. Um, I think he throws a pretty good ball. And I was impressed in training camp with his his accuracy uh, and his ability to throw in a tight window. Never really saw him throw deep. I don't think he's ready. I, I mean, the guys. You know, the guy didn't have a training camp. He didn't have – or he had a reduced training camp. He didn't have preseason games or OTAs. And, you know, they're about to go on a stretch where they face, like, the, you know, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Cards, the Browns. I, you, you can't do it now. Um, and if you do do it, it would have to be, like, all right, it's 24-6. We're just going to get him out of there and try not to get him hurt. You know, maybe get the kids some reps. But um, he's not – I don't think anyone thinks he's ready to go go in and start a game. I think he's shown some some things. He has some tools. His production in college was incredible at both colleges. Uh, I just I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's close to being ready. How could he be? That's funny you mentioned the three quarterbacks, Randall, Donovan, and Vic. I, I think most people don't remember how good a runner Donovan McNabb was early. Did he did he make ever conscious decision, I'm not going to be that running quarterback at some point? I'm trying to remember because I remember early – I saw a lot of highlights of him running, but I then I think of him as a passer later. Yeah, I think in 2004, the Super Bowl year, he only ran like 38 times. If you take out kneel downs, uh, which I have, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think and, and I think most most young running quarterbacks have to make that transition or they're, they're just not going to survive. Like I watched Lamar Jackson and I'm like, he's not going to make it to like year four the way he's going. Um because 
he's just, you know, he's just going to get killed. And I think Randall, the year Randall, I mean, Randall was the greatest running quarterback I've ever seen. Almost a thousand yards one year. By the time he was the MVP in Minnesota, he ran like 16 times that whole year. You know, that was later in his career. Michael Vick's the only guy I've seen who hasn't made that uh, because he was just as fast as ever. And he just loved to run. And he was, you know, he probably should have made that transition. He was a good throw. He could throw the football a mile. Uh, but really, I, I think that's something that, um, I mean, Randall, Vic, and Donovan are three of the greatest running quarterbacks ever. Um, but now it know. seems like quarterbacks, like teams are running quarterbacks. Like Lamar was like 20 times a game. Kyler Murray runs. Is that, it feels like teams are being like, you know what, I'm going to throw caution in the wind and just Josh Allen in Buffalo, just run this guy. Yeah. Well, I think in Josh Allen's case, he he probably needs that that aspect. I think, I think as you grow as a quarterback, and Andy Reid used to say, like no quarterback really understands the offense till his fifth year, like really knows it as mm. well as you're going to know it. And I think as you, as you grasp it, and as the team gets weapons around you, you don't need to run as, as much. And you understand that you're safer just dumping it off for six yards than, you know, taking on a linebacker and getting killed for six yards. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, more teams are doing it. I mean, I have, I love Harbaugh. I've been, you know, I've, I've known Harbaugh since he was here in 98 and, I have a world of respect for him, but I don't know what they're doing with Lamar Jackson. He's not going to survive. And I think, you know, maybe we're seeing that with Cam Newton. I think it just yep. takes those hits, take a cumulative effect on you. And at some point you're just not going to survive as fast as linebackers and safeties are in, in the league anymore. You're not going to survive running the ball. And Lamar Jackson, he's not looking to get out of bounds. Nope. He's cutting that back inside and, you know, for that extra yard, you know, he's a, he's, and he's a good thrower. I mean, he got through 36 touchdowns last year. So I think it's an evolution every running quarterback really needs to make. You know, what about the, like Kyler Murray slides all the time and Russell Wilson, it, will you agree he's an exception because he's, he picks and chooses. He avoids it. And he's also smart enough to, you, you rarely see Russell Wilson get like hit flush. Yeah. You never see anybody like he'll slide or he'll get out of bounds. Uh, yeah, you you or get in the end zone. You you don't see him take a lot of hits. I mean, he's he's special in so many ways, and I think that's one of them. He knows how to use it as a weapon without putting himself at risk. Does Carson still think about his knee when he's either running or he looks undecided about whether to run, whether to scramble? He holds on the ball too long. Is that part of because of what happened health wise in the past? I don't think so. I think he's beyond all that. I mean, that was yeah. three years ago. Um, I mean, he's healthier than he's ever been, which is kind of makes this whole thing even more mystifying. Mm. I mean, he's actually running the ball really well. He had a 40 yard run earlier this year. He's got like, he's got five rushing touchdowns uh, and he's averaging like six yards a carry. I mean, his rushing numbers are off the, off the hook, but um, I think it's all just decision-making. I think, Mm. I think the injury is up here, as they say, you know, Um, the injury is, I think it was in ball four. You ever read ball four, Jim? I'm sure you read Actually, you know, I've never read it, and I know you everyone never, says, I don't know why. It's a great – I haven't read that. I haven't read North Dallas 40. I'm totally out of it. Well, I think it was Carl Yastrzemski. I think Jim Bouton said he was an all-star from the neck down. Yeah. <laughs> I always loved that line, but uh, sorry, Yaz. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, I think Carson is just either overthinking, underthinking. Um, his his mind is a mess right now. The, the, the first fumble uh, Sunday night, I mean, he – the guy was coming right at him. Like, it wasn't like he was blindsided. He just stood there and fumbled. He like, like he just went into mental luck. Yep. And we're seeing that a lot. His decision-making has been terrible. This is a guy who had the number two interception ratio in NFL history 
a month and a half ago. He's got 12 interceptions. That's unbelievable. Did you ever read uh, Moneyball? Uh, did yeah. you read the, I think it was a Lenny Dykstra story in the very beginning, uh, Billy Bean sitting there in the dugout at spring training with Lenny Dykstra and Lenny Dykstra's who's that, uh, tall lefty with the slider out there. He's got good stuff. And Billy's like, you don't know that Steve Carlton. And Lenny says, I don't care. I don't know who he is, but I'm going to stick him." Like, you know, like, <laughs> like those guys who could turn off their brain. That's a big thing for some athletes, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was was you know I think Joe Montana was the ultimate at yeah. that you know the yeah. whole was it John Candy yeah you know it was third and twelve in the Super Bowl hey is that John Candy over there and and it was it's legit I I, I definitely think there's something to you know I don't want to say not being smart because you want to be smart but just being able to you know not not stress about it not overthink it and. And when you when you go the other way, when you overthink it too much and stress about each decision too much and don't let the game, the old proverbial come to you, I think that's when you really get in trouble. And that's where he is right now. Let me ask about the guys around him. Uh, is Howie Roseman getting some criticism for like taking Ortega Whiteside over DK Metcalf? Or is like No, not in Philly. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean No, everyone's really patient with with, <laughs> uh, with JJ. It's like however long it takes them. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. Well, you have Travis Fulgham now, so what's the point? I mean, I also, I feel like John Hightower, it's an adventure when he runs a deep route. It's, is he taking some heat, too? I, I just don't understand these weapons. I love Greg Ward Jr., but it is a weird crew from the outside, Ruben. Yeah, and, and Rager, I think Rager is going to be pretty good. But, um, yeah, I mean, J. Joe, not, he's not even playing. He gets like five or six reps a game at this point. He's a second-round pick last year. Um and he's like their fifth receiver. Now, Fulgham is the real deal. He, he's incredible. And here's a guy who's got cut by three teams in 29 mm. days between August 29th and, and, you know, and, and September, whatever 29 days from that was, but <laughs> he, um, August 58th, I think it is. Um, he's incredible. He, he's, his numbers are almost identical. The numbers he's on pace for this year as Tio in 2004, almost. Wow. Almost identical. He's on pace in 13 games because he, he didn't play. He was on the practice squad the first three games. He's on pace for 75 catches, like 1,140 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's averaging 85 yards a game, 15 yards a catch. He's got four 30-yard catches, four touchdowns. He's already had the best five-game stretch by an Eagles wide receiver since Deshaun in 2012, and they're the first five games of his career. Unbelievable. Is it? I, I should have Googled this, but is, who's coming back? Like, uh, which someone's going to steal all those targets from Fulgham, though. He can't keep this up, right? No, he's, I mean, he's, he's WR1 for life at this point. <laughs> no way. So if Alshon and Ertz and everybody is arrives, that they're still going to focus on him a lot? I mean, who knows when we're going to see Alshon? He hasn't played in a year. Even <laughs> if he comes back, um, I don't know what kind of role he's going to have. Really? Might be playing on kick coverage or something. <laughs> but uh, And they'll bring him along slowly. Um, they're paying him too much to not play him at all. But um, Fulgham's the guy. I mean, he's Car Carson trusts him. He's the one guy Carson loves to throw to. Um, Hightower, like you said, he had 250-yard catches in a row. But then, every you know, he, he's, so, he's soft. He, just, he doesn't come back strong to the ball. Yes. And, you know, even on that second interception in yeah. the end zone the other night, he, he just stood there. Yep. You know, tackle the guy. You know, touch him down. He's on the ground. He just stood there, and the guy got a 33-yard you know, run bet, uh, return. So um, I, I like Greg Ward. He's got the second-most catches in NFL history 
uh, by an undrafted wide receiver in his first 15 games. Wow. That's such a, Behind, that's such I know a one of your favorite guy, Bill Groman from the Houston uh, Texans. Of course. Of course. I love when you pull out numbers like that. It's the best. Uh, I just make them up. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, I, I've had you on some other podcasts before, but you wrote an amazing column for SI.com with just odd numbers and stats for the NFL. Do you still collect all those numbers? I, I, well, I did that for the Eagles. You know, yeah. it was fun because for SI.com, I was doing it for the whole league. Yeah. And um, it was actually Jason Stark's idea. He was like, you, the kind of stuff I do, you should. Jason lives like two miles from me. So mm. I would always see him at, you know, at, at Applebee's or wherever. And, uh, and, and uh, he would, you know, so, so that's how that got started, but that was all before pro football reference. Yep. That was, I was doing that. I was doing those stats. I had giant printouts of all the stats from the white book, the NFL record book mm. from every year. I had gotten all the white books on eBay going back to like 1970. So that's the only way, like there's those stats, like in all the sporting news guides that they used to put out. That's the only way I did that. It took me like I could do that column in an hour now. It would take me like three days back then. <laughs> but I love that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. What are, are you? You know, those are numbers. Are you an analytics guy? Like I know that feels like the Eagles have a big analytics staff. Do you believe in this analytics, or is it overblown? Well, I believe that it should play a role in. I think the more information you have, the better. Um, like they, you know, Josh Adams, the running back. I think he's with the Jets now. But he um, he had a pretty good rookie year. He was an undrafted guy from Bucks County. Um, he averaged like four yards a carry, but in the red zone, or I shouldn't say in the red zone, on goal line, he had he had like eight carries from the one yard line, or on fourth and goal, or fourth and one. I'm sorry, and never gained a yard on any of them. But they kept giving him the ball in those situations, and like that kind of stuff. Like you got to know, he's just he's not the kind of guy who's gonna. Mm you know, in a compressed field on, on goal line or short yards, he's just not going to, you know, but you give him the ball in first, first and 10, he'll get you four yards. That kind of stuff is valuable. And I think if you, you know, I mean, I covered Charlie Manuel, who was like a hundred percent, just go with your instincts and, and did it as well as anybody. And, um, you know, Charlie, why did you bunt? Why did you bunt that situation? Well, you know, back in 68, well, I was with the, I was playing with the Indians, you know, and Max Alvis bunted his bat. You know, we got, we got three runs at, we got the whole deal. We won the game five, three. And so I think there's room for both for instinct and analytics, but honestly, I, I, I prefer instincts. I would, I would go 80% instincts, but use the analytics as part of the equation. So would you have kept Blake Snell in the game in, uh, in the world That's series? the first time I've ever tried a Charlie Manuel, by the way. I've that never was, done that. Oh my gosh. I was, I thought he was in the room. That was pretty yeah. good. He, he actually is Charlie. Um, <laughs> no, I would have left Blake Snell in my God. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was pretty clear. Now everybody's uh, going for two, by the way, left and right. I mean, sometimes it's just ridiculous. And I feel like, I don't know why. Like, there's certain plays. I know when the team's going to make it for two. I don't know. I like. I said Jalen Hurts wasn't going to get there, but you think they're doing it too much? Yeah, I do. And the Eagles are actually on pace for 28 fourth down attempts and 20, 28%. I mean, they're converting 28% of them. What's going on? They keep doing it. And also think there's a point of diminishing returns where now it's not a it's not a surprise. They had one two-point conversion where they rushed the play out there. They – they drove down the field. They were down eight. So, well, in that situation, you know they're going to go for two, obviously, if they score. But they got down there, and they didn't have a play. Like, how do you yeah. not have a play ready? Like, when you know that you have to go for two at the end of the drive. But I think people, you, know, you lose the element of surprise the more you do it. And 
teams get better at defending it. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a shot. Oh, they're going for two. It's yeah. Just go kick the damn thing. All right. So you've seen every NFC East team now. Eagles are three, four and one. Is there any competition here? Uh, anybody going to make a run at the division other than the Eagles? I think Washington's the, probably the next best team mm. um, or as good. I, 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 you know, they're really well coached. Finally, I'm a huge Ron Rivera fan. Um, obviously he was here for, for a long time, uh, with Andy. Um, you know, I think they probably upgraded a quarterback, even though, you know, this kid's, he's nothing special, but he's not going to make the mistakes that Haskins was making. They run the ball. Well, I think they're decent on defense. They've got some weapons. Um, you know, they already beat the Eagles once they came from 17 points back in the opener. Uh, Tiebreakers aren't going to affect the Eagles because they tied (laughs) the Bengals. So everything's pretty cut and dry. Eagles play Washington on the last day of the season up here, wow. January 2nd or something. That's going to decide the division. Kind of like the Cowboys game last year, which, but here's my overall last question about the Eagles. Like, it's going to be Josh McCown versus like, yeah. you know, Alex Smith. Mark Rippon no, something. it's going to be Alex Smith in his first full game against Josh McCown, two guys who haven't really played in two years. Um, so is it, is it kind of worth it? They went through the trade deadline, didn't sell any assets. If they keep going along at nine and seven, or in this case, eight, seven and one or whatever, is, uh, is there thought that this is the team's getting old. It's a time to really focus on rebuilding from scratch. Well, I think they're getting younger. I mean, I, you know, I, I they're, they're actually the top, one of the 10 youngest teams in the league now because of getting rid of so many older guys. Um, mm. I always think it's better to be in the playoffs than not be in the playoffs. I just okay. think I think Carson needs he needs to play. He needs he's never played in a playoff game. He's 27 in his fifth year. Played three what seven snaps against Seattle. He's got to play. And these young guys, whether it's Fulgham or Rager, some of these young offensive linemen, they've got to get a taste of playoff football. Um, so I always think you're better. You know, you'll get a better draft pick if you don't win the division. But Howie's just going to blow it anyway. So. So who cares? <laughs> you know, I was going to mess up that that pick. So um, I'm just being a little facetious, but not that facetious. But um, yeah, I think you're always better off being in in the tournament. And by then, they're going to have most of their injured guys back. Um, so you have a home playoff game with most of your team intact. Um, if they do finish eight, seven, and one, that means they've closed out the season six or eight and five in their yeah. last thirteen. Um, so they're playing better. They got a home playoff game. Maybe Carson's on track. But, yeah, I think you're always better off being in the tournament than not in it. All right, last question. Carson Wentz, make uh, make it to the end of the season as a starting quarterback? I think yes. I, I just think it's going to take such a combination of circumstances for Doug to bench him, and I just don't see those circumstances happening. Um, I, I think he will. All right. I think, And I think Doug will say, you know, he, he gives us the best chance to win. And the crazy, the infuriating thing about Carson is that there's times where you see flashes of the old Carson. You see what made him a special player the last four years. So it's not like he's going out there and just making mistakes. He's he's making some incredible plays, some incredible throws that just make you think, okay, he's back. And then the next play, he just stands there and fumbles. So that's that's the weird thing about it. It's such a all or nothing with him. Um, but I, you know, if they can coach those turnovers down, then you got a productive player. But uh, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Not for Jalen Hurts, not for Nate Sudfeld. You are a warrior, Reuben Frank. You know, I got a little, I, I was hoping maybe some shortness of breath or like dizziness or if you had lost consciousness but survived, that would have been an awesome podcast spot. 
I, I still might. <laughs> no, do you want me to call 911 right now? I've, I've dialed 911 in the beginning of the call, and it was ready to hit the one if I had to. I appreciate that. All right, that was Ruben Frank, NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, also on 94WIP, the greatest crazy Philadelphia sports radio station that ever was. Now, actually, I'm not going to play favorites. You know, I grew up uh, in Philadelphia with like uh, Angelo Cataldi in the morning, guys. All I hear about. Yeah, and you know, I used to I used to have a regular spot with Angelo Cataldi. I came in every Monday to talk about the NFL for about a year. Oh, really? I got no. I got in two words edgewise the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and then once in a while, Al Morganti, the famous writer, would be like, hey, "What did he just say?" <laughs> it was uh, it was great. But Ruben knows the Eagles better than anyone, so it looks like uh, looks like they're stuck with Carson Wentz. And as Ruben pointed out, the dude makes awesome plays sometimes, right? Yeah, I don't understand. Like, yeah, he he's playing with a, just a really tough, tough cast right now. Yeah, I think Ruben explained it well. He's get, he's getting like mind freeze, you know, mm-hmm. where you're overthinking it. That first fumble against the Cowboys sums it up. So that's really interesting. You know, I, I know Rube was talking about Washington being a tough team. It feels, feels like the Eagles have a great chance to get out of this division. Man, I just I just don't know where they're going. I feel like we're nine and seven limbo for a long time. Uh, I don't know. Uh, did I say we? <gasps> I should Ooh, do you're that. back. I'm back. They're three, four, and one. They're rolling, baby. They <laughs> knocked out Ben DiNucci and the Cowboys. Uh, I'm perfectly willing to jump off. I'm, I'm actually shopping for that Seattle Seahawks bandwagon. Are you? That's oh, yeah, I don't know. Russell's like a friend of the show. He's pretty great. Not Aaron sure. Rodgers, friend of the show. Aaron Rodgers, uh, every Super Bowl said when he comes on set goes, "Hey, what's up, man?" What you watch? Anything good on Netflix? And then I talk about Netflix shows with him. Oh wow! So you yeah. guys are like kind of best friends. Pretty much. Yeah, I don't know if we're like best friends. We're definitely f- we're friends. We're associates. Uh, does he text me? No. Would he remember me if I walked into his kitchen right now? Nope. Oh. But uh, in context, he's a super nice guy. All right, that's Against the Grain for this week. Thanks to Mario and Marvin and to Ruben Frank. If you don't subscribe, please do, and we will hit you up next week. Against the grain. Against the grain.